With Father's Day right around the corner, what do you give to the man who has everything? Easy. You give him an experience he'll never forget. You give him Omaha Steaks because a world-class dad deserves a world-class steak. The Father's Day experts at Omaha Steaks have made it easy to put a smile on the big guy's face this summer with hand-selected gift packages starting at just $89. Just go to omahasteaks.com and use the promo code BLUEWIRE at checkout for an additional discount when you shop gourmet gift packages for Father's Day. With Omaha Steaks, the possibilities are endless. Endless flavor, endless variety, and endless value. Truly, they have perfected more than just steak. Your dad is guaranteed to love every bite. Go to omahasteaks.com, use the promo code BLUEWIRE to get an exclusive savings. Shop for unforgettable gifts that are guaranteed to make dad's day. Because if there's one thing that Omaha Steaks knows, it's the dads want steak. That's omahasteaks.com, promo code BLUEWIRE at checkout to save on exclusive packages starting at just $89. What is up? Welcome to episode number three. 366 of On the Corner of the Official PitcherList.com podcast. I'm your host, Alex Fast, joined as always by the uh, a little bit hesitant Nick Pollock. Nick, how are you doing, Bubba? What is happening? Yeah, I'm very hesitant. This is a, a thing we haven't done before. Mm-hmm. We've never done this. I have never revealed any of my top 200, or really, I guess it was top 100, before the launch date of the new site. Mm-hmm. And we're doing that this time. Um, we are four weeks as of today from PL8 launch. We'll have the full top 200 with uh, with analytics on everything and, and all the analysis and stuff. But I felt it was better for us not to rush through any episodes and for us to really do that effectively for everybody is to go through that top 100 10 by 10 uh, through the top 100, then to kind of do a couple episodes, maybe two for the ones past 100. And if we're going to do that, we got to start early. And it starts right now. We have to start a little <laughs> bit earlier. Uh, and now I love that. But I, I I rushed us into, usually we get together, we chat a little bit before we kick over the podcast. But I, I rushed us into the conversation because you were making some really apt points that I think our listeners would have liked to hear as well. Mm. I've never, I'm going to share a little bit of vulnerability from your half. You're a confident man. You, 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 one of the things I love about you and respect about you is you stick to your guns. You hear arguments, but you, you, you know, unless you really hear something that sways you, you stick to your guns. But I, I hear a little bit of wavering from you about your top 10. I'm sensing a little bit more unsurety. And I wanted you to give some, give our listeners a little bit insight as to why this might be, uh, you feel maybe this is a little bit more difficult this time or what? You know, it is a leap year podcast, right? This is 366. So you know, we got to have something different and and new. Big <laughs> if true. Literally fast. Think about this. Of all the, uh, we've done an episode a day for a year's worth as of That's now. That's insane. Just on the corner, let alone all the other adventures that we've done. Oh. First pitch and and Nick and Alex. No, on the corner, one for a full year worth. That's insane. Okay. Um, yeah, I'm calling it uh, the 24 Aces of Dubs. And that is 24 starting pitchers who I think are definitively just sp ones for the mm-hmm. most part i mean sp twos and ones that are just like yes you these are the guys that you're going to want in all your drafts and it's about figuring out how to get three of them if you can yeah um is my goal and if you remember last year i was all about six seventh eighth rounds go get your joe musgrove your gosman your manoa your mcclanahan uh, verlander was at the end of that too uh, a couple others i'm, I'm forgetting but it, that worked out for the most part it was just targeting that mm-hmm and uh, I think you're going to be happy doing the same strategy again today so or this year, which means likely my top 10 that we're talking about today, maybe one is going to skirt into that fifth, sixth round territory where you could get them. There are some cases that um, I'm able to grab one of these guys, another different one who is I think goes lower than the other ones that we were going to mention today. Yeah. Um, but it does really mean that my 11 through 20 podcasts and maybe even the you know, 21 through 30 are the real more important ones okay. uh, for me personally with my draft strategy. 
But oh, really, okay. the whole idea yeah. is that the ace of dubs, the, the 24 aces of dubs, right? Mm-hmm. That is really how I'm framing uh, the starting pitching pool this year. I like that. I mean, uh, uh, but I, I feel like I'm not hearing the difficulty. Like, what what, what is Well, it? the difficulty is that there are 24 of them. Oh, so oh okay. Okay. What is my okay. top 10? <laughs> sure. I hear you. You know, okay. I, I see guys. I think it gets more difficult, really. It's really like the top 15 top 13 are super hard to really figure out. And then even after that, you know, there's a guy that was inside my top 10 uh, back in October who's not in my top 15 now, Mm. um, who I moved down um, after a conversation I have with, uh, with another expert who I'll talk about. I'll talk about that later. Um, But it was very convincing to me. I pushed down some guys, pulled up some others. um, And, it's just so difficult because uh, these all these guys are so good. There are yeah. so many talented starters. And a lot of the times it just comes down to who are the ones that I trust to go the most innings. And then trying to predict health in innings is just so hard. And I'm sick and tired of doing it. But we have to do it. So I guess I'm, I'm going to. And that's really what I'm lamenting today. We're gonna die, and we're gonna dive in. Uh, uh, we're gonna die. We're gonna die. We're all gonna die anyway. So who cares? We're gonna dive in momentarily. But I want to at least liberate you by saying, like, if they're all that good, then the top ten really doesn't matter because theoretically, you could right. get any of them and be kind of happy. Well, well, that's yes, and also it, it really emphasizes how good hitting is in the first three rounds. Yeah, and how that's so much more valuable to go get instead of stressing getting one of these guys in the second round when. Someone in the fourth round, to me, I might like more than the guy that went in your draft in the second. So yeah. I, I I really, I think that based on these ranks, there's one guy that I think everyone is going to be getting if they adhere to this list based mm-hmm. on how the, the trends that I've seen. And I don't want to spoil it. That's a tease. I think fast, you know, the man that I'm talking about in this one. Mm-hmm. Um, Maybe not. I, really, though? The one, so rephrase the the one that you think everyone's going to want to walk away with. What do you well, mean? In this top ten, there's one that I'm ranking higher than consensus by a oh, decent oh. margin, I believe. And from the mocks that I've done and the NFBC ADP and stuff, this person is not going at this SP spot. Interesting. Okay. Um. So I'm higher on them. I'll explain it in a 12 team or also why I do it. I think this person is, is fantastic. But we'll get to that. That's a tease, fast. What's I love it. No, that's what, no, you got me interested because I, I, I genuinely don't know. I genuinely don't know. So what? even I'm excited to hear about know. it. Yeah. Um, all right. How well, did you not know? With that Sorry. said, let's that's dive in. Prestige. Let's dive into who it seemingly is the consensus one one. If you're in a league where Shohei Otani is two different positions, right? Yeah. If you're in a no, league, that's where, how I always do it. Yeah. Yeah. So the the consensus one one seems to be Corbin Burns. Now I have some. What I'm going to do for this podcast is find try and find the holes, right? Like because that's what we want to be yeah. doing. We want to try and find the Absolutely. holes as to why these guys are in the top ten because they all deserve to be in the top ten. There's no question about that. The majority of these guys are arguably top five pitchers. But let's hear I've got your one case for you. That's me plus you. Oh, I don't know if that really worked the way you wanted one, it to work. One, we're, we're one hole. I don't really have the hole that is <laughs> came out that way that you wanted it to come out, my friend. Jeff Zimmerman, that one's for you because I know you're thinking the exact same thing I did. But I, my I sweet summer child, Nick, that was not the phrasing you intended. Um, okay. <laughs> I don't right. know what you're talking about. I, no, I, no, no. I, I'm, I'm like playing it back in my head. Does it sound okay. so bad? Yeah, okay. I'm like Tobias, you know, like it, it does feel like Tobias yourself. <laughs> yeah, exactly. you do. That's the problem. You do. Oh, that's true. That is true. Well, yeah, anyway. Okay. All right. So uh, let's move past <laughs> that uh, and get into the consensus one one. So Corbin Burns is your one. Walk me through how he became your your one one. I believe he was also your one one. Yeah, he was in your top 200. In October. Um, yeah. So what is it that solidified him there? I mean, uh, the way I'm doing this is about volume, consistency, injury risk, and performance, right? So mm-hmm. volume, injury risk, I feel, well, Coburn Burns just had 202 innings. He went mm-hmm. 28 in 2021, pitched the full 2020. I mean, he had nine starts, 12 games, but 
was pretty much starting through it. Uh, I was in relief for an extended amount. And he just produces 0.97 whip after doing a 0.94 whip, a uh, low hit per nine, uh, under well under seven, which is what you want to see. 30% K rate. I mean, it's just, it's a lock, you know, you know that Corbin Burns is going to be good. He had a very small blip in August and it was very quickly rectified. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> Corbin Burns is really good. The cutter is still incredible. His hard contact rate was just 11th in the majors among all starting pitchers. Um, you normally don't see that when you see uh, a guy with a lot of strikeouts and where there's volatility inside the zone or something. Nope, not with him. I mean, he's just a, a rock. And and that's, you're going to spend the pick on somebody. Yeah, you know, Corden Burns isn't going to be terrible for your team. So, yeah. Corden Burns. So here, here's where we get into the pushback part. I mean, obviously, I agree with the majority of the sentiment here. Here's some of the things that I thought were interesting that that if you wanted to make a case, he was not the one one. I think they would uh, impinge on these points. One, um, when it came to contact suppression, he he wasn't like a top 10 or top five in virtually like any major category, right? Even by our own hard contact on pitcher list, 11th best outside the top 10 and expected batting average, expected slugging, expected Woba, expected Wobacon. He also, all the strides that he made limiting hard contact in 2021 took took steps back and he also started to allow more fly balls on virtually all of his pitches you brought up the august and man i really dug in and i could not find what happened there because there was a blip yeah. in june it was a 3.45 era over about 30 innings in june and then a 4.81 era in august because he was not very consistent month over month um and I don't really know what it was. He he ha- he was top five in terms of the largest differential between first half and second half ERA, largely because of of that August. Um, we also saw like the amount of hard contact rise on on every pitch type. I mean, five home runs on the changeup after giving up none the year before, even though it's not a pitch he features super prominently. Nine home runs on the cutter was a career high as well. Um, every pitch that he threw over 10% saw a, hard, uh, saw a jump in overall contact as well. So I genuinely don't know if that is something that he's going to nip in, nip in the bud, which he may well. I mean, he's had sub three sure. Sierras in back-to-back seasons, but I, you could make a case theoretically that like, okay, well, maybe those those things won't be able to sustain. Maybe he'll continue to give up hard contact on some of these pitches. I don't disagree with a lot of this. Um I mean, the way I see it is that they're really Corn Burns is number one by default, mm-hmm. not by being so clearly number one. Does that make sense? Yeah, I hear what you're saying. Uh, because there's really only three, three to four, maybe, yeah, three guys that I'm like, okay, 200 innings, we're going to get this mm-hmm. from these guys. I mean, you can argue only 202 from Burns and he only had 167 before, but you feel pretty good about it. Um, At least 190. Yeah, totally. Yeah. yeah. Um, same with uh, the next two guys on the list. And mm-hmm. I, so the other one, there's a lot of injury questions with guys underneath it. And as far mm-hmm. as volume at such a, such good ratios and strikeouts, it, it's just kind of like, all right, I guess it has to be Burns. Um, what did you tell me fast was the least sticky pitcher stat year to year? Home run to fly ball rate. Right. So yeah. the, you, you're talking about the change of line more of uh, home runs, cutter, Allowing a little bit more home runs. I'm not too worried about that. Also, considering that it was highest last year and he still had a 294 year, right? Yeah. Um, and if you're saying, if you're telling me that this was a peak of five of, of home runs and he still had a sub three ERA, and as you're also telling me, it's likely that it's probably going to come down a bit, then I'm not too concerned about that. Yeah. I, Ground ball rate was pretty much consistent the last three years, too. 49% this past year, about 50%, 51% the previous two seasons. Um, the hard contact did go a little bit up, but I'm still fine with all of this. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's still ex- exceptional 16% swing striker across the board. That's overall, not just one pitch. Yep. So I, I, I think that Corbin Burns is just like, yeah, you get him. You feel good about it. Is he going to be the number one starter? Probably not. But is he going to be in the top 10? Yeah. <laughs> is he going to yeah. be in the top five? Yeah. You know, you feel so good about that. That's kind of the Mike Trout thing in that way. Um, and that's why I have Corbin Burns at one. That's a very, very important caveat that I think bears repeating. Like, you're not drafting 1-1 to get the best pitcher in baseball. You're getting the best chance at the best pitcher in baseball with the highest ceiling, right? Like, I can almost guarantee you that Corbin Burns will not be the best pitcher in baseball at the end of the year, but 
he will be top 10. Like, oh, and if he isn't, then it's something that we couldn't predict to begin with. Yeah, like it's an injury shocking. Or, right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, all right, let's move on then to your number two. Uh, no major change from the original top 200 here. Uh, and that's Garrett Cole. Walk us through your reasoning on Cole number two. What's the least sticky thing year to year fast? Home run to fly ball rate. <laughs> so, I mean, that's the only knock on Garrett Cole, right? Uh, yep. Three five ERA. Oh, my Lord. 102 whip, 32% carry, winning ball club. Honestly, 13 wins is low for Cole. Mm. Um, you can argue that with a 3-5 ERA, that should get better. Then the wins should be closer, 15-16, and, and so on. I I mean, I got to say it. Uh, his strikeouts were 257 last year. It, it's really, really insane. Yeah. Um, led baseball on that. So you have the highest strikeout total with an elite whip over a ton of innings. Great win chance. The ERA should be better than 3-5, closer to 3. I mean, if you have a 3 ERA from Garrett Cole with 250 strikeouts again, and it, it, once again, it's just complete, yeah, you know you're not going to ever bench Cole. He's going to produce for you all year. You're never going to hate it. Like, just just have Garrett Cole and be done with that. Here's the thing for me, too, and the difference between Cole and and um, Burns. Cole had a higher home run to fly ball rate, which I think a lot of people are going to point out, but not an increase in fly balls. Right. The fly ball rate mm. largely maintained. That is slightly a point against Corbin Burns and that he saw about a four percent rise in overall fly balls. So while I agree that because it is indeed the least sticky metric year over year, I would be I am more inclined to believe that Garrett Cole will make more strides to decrease that fly ball that uh, home and- fly ball rate. I also really strongly believe that Garrett Cole will make an adjustment this offseason. He increases changeup usage against lefties to 15% and curveballs to 14%, brought down his, his slider to 10%. But the slider was elite against mm-hmm. lefties. Mm-hmm. And this is something I, if you've been watching my Twitch streams, if you're not, you're, you're, you're wild because it's so much fun. I just go through every single starting rotation, rotation on my Twitch streams and I see guys that are able to use their slider against opposite handedness. Like, you know, the best lefties do this all the time. Mm-hmm. Shane McClanahan does it. Pete Patrick Corbin does it. Mm. You go down and in with the breaking ball, the back foot slider. Like, we know this works. If for some reason, a lot of right-handers say, I have this elite slider. Well, I guess I just got to stop throwing it against lefties and go to a mediocre changeup instead, right? Yeah. And uh, Garrett Cole, when he was with the Astros, used to do this a ton. He used to throw back foot sliders. He moved away from it for some reason last year. I think that's going to come back up. It has to because it was so effective for him um, last season against left-handers. While, of course, against right-handers, that slider uh, was actually he actually performed worse. It was overall a worse pitch against right-handers than it was against lefters, which is fascinating. But, of course, four-seamer still just dominates the both. And this curveball is actually pretty good. Um, it's above average against both lefties and righties. So... I think Garrett Cole has all the tools. It's not like he's gotten worse. You know, it's yeah. not all of a sudden, oh, no sticky stuff. He's just a bad pitcher. Now his velocity, in fact, was the highest yeah. he's had in the last five years. Um, 97.9 by 0.1 from 2021's peak. But yeah, he's still amazing. Um, and <laughs> did you know that his his uh, batting average allowed on his fastball last three years, all under 200? See, that's uh, interesting. 50% usage. He's that good. I mean, keep in mind, he gets strikeouts with it a lot. It's 18% swing striker on the four-seamer. That's why the average is lower. Uh, but still, 22% hard contact rate on four-seamers. Great league average is about 30-31%. It's an elite four-seamer. It's an elite slider. He plays for a winning ball club. It's all there. Um, yeah. Garrett Cole, yeah, and you can make an argument that he should be number one in mm-hmm. this case. Um, but of course, you know the the, the home runs, a little worrisome. I'm trying to get it out of my head based on what you found with stickiness. Um, and yeah, I mean, Gary Cole, number two, the one thing that jumped out to me from playing devil's advocate here, the the four seam in his final starts in September, October was Mm -hmm. got hit harder than almost ever before in his career on a month by month basis. The Woba was, I think, third highest in a month period. Uh, and the, uh, Woban contact was second highest. And again, I do not 
know why it got hit so hard because there wasn't any major change. Um, to go back to the very apt point that you made before, he was actually worse in the second half than the first. So it wasn't the sticky stuff that was was the problem for him. Uh, I can understand if guys struggled in you know April, May as they're getting their, their grips down a little bit. But for him, it was it was a 412 ERA in the second half over 87 innings. That's that's not good. That hurts you when you're trying to make a playoff push. Yeah, for some reason, he located lower um, later on the season. Uh, and I don't think that's right, <laughs> uh, especially with, with Garrett Cole's four-seamer. That's a pitch that's supposed to be up uh, a ton. So I don't know exactly what was going on. Maybe they're trying to do something different against the Jays, for example. Um, but I think with the skill set that he has with everyone in, in New York, it makes all the sense of the world. You throw four-seamers four up, you throw that slider down, it's game over. Yeah. Well, we're about to move on to number three, who I know you're very excited to talk about. But before we do, we're going to take a quick break. So proud of you, Fast. All right. And we're back with number three, Mr. Cy Young himself, who received the key to the city of Miami today. Sandy, Alcon- Sandy Alcantara. Did he actually? Is that he true? Did. He did. It was oh, on his Twitter. So, yeah, oh, that makes me amazing. so happy. Uh, it was very cool. <laughs> um, uh, why is he coming in at your number three? So despite having a 23.4% K rate, Sandy Alcantara had over 200 strikeouts last year across 229 innings. I don't believe that, of course, he's going to have 229 innings again. At the same time, when you think about workhorses and volume, um, Sandy Alcantara has to be the first one on your list. The Marlins just let him go out there. He is incredible. Last year, 7.1 innings per start, highest in the majors. And only 101 pitches to get there mm. because he does such a good job of earning outs with his fastballs and his changeup. I I don't really see um, Alcantara slowing down when it comes to ability much. Now, 228 ERA, 0.98 whip. Sure, you can say, look, it likely won't repeat to be that elite. When it comes to volume, it's not always just about how many wins you get and how many strikeouts you get. It's also about how much you're expressing the ratios that you get. If you go six innings with the same ratios as someone in five innings, that's 20% more emphasis of what you did, which is a huge, huge deal, especially week to week. Mm. So Alcantara with sparkling ratios week to week is a major deal, and you're getting it with such consistency. Yeah. You don't know how Alcantara gets his outs. He throws upper 90s with sinkers and four seamers, arguably the best uh, the best sinker out there, but that's arguable. I don't know. It's just so beautiful and gets a ton of outs. Change up comes in at 92 miles per hour. Unreal. With a 20% swing to strike rate and a 67% strike rate. Uh, 150 batting average allowed of co- across all of his pitches, um, separating out sinkers and four seamers. Alcantara threw more changeups than anything else last season, and also has a slider that you know just has a 32, so sorry, 33% strike rate as well. Uh, 30, 33% CSW, I apologize, and mm. a 67% strike rate. Yeah, he's just so good, and I think he can get better. There is some liability when it comes to command. There are starts where he's not hitting the edges as he normally would. He can't quite get a strike with his changeover slider at times, and he has to kind of force into fastball. And that's when he can be susceptible. Um, just don't start him against the Dodgers, honestly. <laughs> mm. I mean, yes, he did get a 10-strikeout game against them, but he allowed six earned runs against them. He also, I believe, had a major blow-up in 2021 against them. They're the one team that has really gotten to Sandy Alcantara. But... Yeah, I mean, he's just amazing. You you stick him out there. And that's really what it is about these three starters to me. Why they're one, two, three is, yeah, they're going to start regularly and get so much volume and it's going to be wonderful. And that's it. You don't really need to worry about all the other risks that we'll talk about with the other players. So Sandy Alcantara, he's my boy. Uh, yeah, undoubtedly. I mean, I'm trying to do some quick baths real quick to see if I can quick maths real quick uh, to see if I can get. <laughs> some evidence here, but I believe that of all pitches that were thrown as much as his changeup was thrown, he had mm-hmm. one of the lowest overall Wobas on that pitch um, because it was, it was, it was elite. Like it's, yeah, there it is. Okay. So only two pitchers, only two pitches. This is a fun little trivia question real quick. Okay. Oh, so only two pitches, a minimum of 700 thrown because we really want to up the yeah. threshold for how many were yeah, thrown. 896 here. were thrown by Sandy last year. 
which is weird because uh, uh, the pitch dashboard has 730, but that's just typical Alex Chamberlain. We got problems, Alex. Uh, <laughs> I love him. Um, so minimum, let's say 700. Only two pitches yeah. had a WOBA under 200. Okay. One of them was Sandy's changeup. What do you think the other one was? Oh, is so thrown a lot. Yeah, it's someone yeah. that you could guess. It's not It's not a huge surprise. It's also someone who is in your... I'm going to say Christian Javier Slider. Um, uh, no, but the pitch type is correct. Okay. Um, Dylan Cease's Slider. Correct. Dylan Cease's Slider. Dylan Cease's Slider had uh, a 169 Woba, according to, to, uh, it's to this. It's too bad that his fastball and curveball are not good. <laughs> Oh, that's a whole nother podcast. We got a whole nother time to talk about Dylan Cease. Uh, I just think it's remarkable that a, a dude took a pitch type in his changeup and said, you know what? I threw it about 24% of the time last year. I'm up in it. We're going to closer than 30%. It's going to be my most dominant pitch. And he even more so improves on the performance of that pitch. That's unbelievable. I mean, obviously, yeah, well, actually, I'm not even going to say obviously in a roto league. The lower K rate doesn't necessarily matter when he's getting you 30 or 40 more innings than other guys you are drafting with higher K rates. Like it doesn't matter. Um, You're still going to get 220, 230. No, probably 220 strikeouts overall from him. 200 plus. Yeah, he had 207 last year at Sandy Alcantara. Great. So Uh, you're getting that. Yeah. I just, I love that. And again, don't even like, I'm not worried about the wins. Like obviously (laughs) the Marlins aren't great, but he got 14 wins last year. So that was a big argument entering the year. Uh, Sandy Alcantara in 2021 only had nine wins and 15 losses. Corrected that 14 to nine this past year. Sure. So we want to say 11, 12, fine. Yeah, I'm I'm with you hundred percent. I think it's a good ranking. Let's move on though to your number four. I think uh, this is it. This is the first deviation we have from the top 200 yeah. list that you published back in October. And it's Zach Wheeler coming in at number four. Oh, what man. puts him there? It, it's oh, gosh, I've gone back and forth about this. This is this is where I get so frustrated. <laughs> mm. I mean, four through ten is so like, well, all right, get your guy, you know, sure. um, because. I have a okay, it's seven, eight, nine. I have a little injury tier. And I debated is Zach Wheeler a part of that injury tier or not? Back and forth. So he started the season with a shoulder issue. Um, and then he had a forearm issue in August. And then in game two of the World Series, he was down to like 95 or so, and there was a lot of worry about it. But then again, he started game six and was so good. Yeah. And I think it's like Blake Snell 2.0 where you pull the guy at the same situation and you lose the game when the guy's dominant in like 70 pitches, right? I I, I was yelling, uh, go ask Jenny Butler, Sarah Sanchez, and uh, Lauren Auerbach about that. I was so upset. Yeah. I'm still upset. This is two years in a row that I've been so upset about something involving Zach Wheeler in November. It's insane. <laughs> I should have gone to Cy Young in 2021. Anyway... So Zach Wheeler, you know, there's there's a there's an adage that anyone that has any sort of injury question mark or haze, you just avoid. That's hmm. just kind of the idea, right? Is just why would you insert any extra risk that you don't have to? And that makes all the sense. And if you want to avoid Zach Wheeler, go ahead. But the guy is so dang good. Yeah. And despite all those things that happened last year, which I think is the highest that we've seen from him in a while. He still had 153 innings, and it was great innings. 282 ERA, 104 whip, 27% K rate, 5.6% walk rate, low hard contact, 23%, a 28th best in the majors among starting pitchers. Zach Wheeler is a phenomenal starter. His Guess what, Fast? Remember last year I was freaking out? About- I was freaking out in the preseason, preseason because Zach Wheeler had a 47% O swing on his sinker. Mm. It was 47%. Yep. Guess what? It's Main- 52 now. <laughs> That's unbelievable. That's unbelievable. 52. This is, I mean, I get it. He throws it super hard over the course of the year is 95, 96. And by the end, it was closer to 96, 97. And he starts it on the plate and it goes off. He only had a 41% zone rate on his sinker, yet a 73% strike rate. Internalize that for a second. Mm. 
Okay, it throws 100 pitches, only 41 of them are in the zone, and he gets 73 strikes. It's <laughs> unbelievable. It really right? is unbelievable. On yeah. a sinker. You don't see that from a sinker having a higher O swing than a zone rate. I'm going to keep saying this. I know it's like ever, you know, everyone's sick of it by now, but this is how Zach Wheeler is just so dang good. He has precision with a sinker better than anyone else in the majors. In many ways, I kind of want to call it the best pitch in baseball because this is how he gets out. This is how he gets through games and dominates. So I, I love it. I love it so much. And I say, you know what? Throw it to the wind a little. He came back from the forearm thing. They don't need surgery. He was pumping Ched mm-hmm. in the last game of the season that we saw him. Pumping Ched. I'm in. I'm in. I have him at number four. So this is the person that you are referring to who's lower. Uh, no. No, it's not. Because he it's is. not. I mean, he he is not a top 10 pitcher uh, by NFBC standards uh, if you're looking at drafts from Where December is he going? On. What number? What number pick? Um, over, well, you want me to remove the relief pitchers overall, or no? Just, just overall, what number? 57. 57? Yes. So right now, this is what I'm saying. Right now, <gasps> if you are interested in Wheeler, you can oh, wait man. a little bit because these are the guys going well, ahead of okay. Them. So time out. I, okay. I do want to mention NFBC, the drafts that have happened right now are essentially gladiators, which you have to start them every week. Or a draft champions where you don't have a waiver wire. So it says there are no waiver wires in these leagues, which do emphasize no injury risk because you want to have guys that are pitching in any way. So NFBC is saying, hey, there's some injury risk here, so we're going to depress it. I would imagine with waiver wire stuff, it does add a little more value back, and I would think the ADP would go up. Um, and, you know, it might be something that I just say, yeah, fine. I'm being really dumb about this. I I did this once and I had him at seven instead of four. I've had him at at nine. And at the end of the day, I felt that him coming back from the forearm uh, and really this shoulder thing in the beginning was stupid. That was dumb because that was just him needing time to ramp up to the season. Like he pitched his first three games and it was fine. And Zach Gallen needed the same thing too. Totally affected his season. Uh, so those were non-issues. It was really just the forum scare in August. And, you know, he missed like a, what, a couple weeks and that was it. And at first I'm like, oh, forum stuff. I'm, I'm terrified. Go away. It was from 820 to 921. The last three games of the season, he came back. He pitched four innings, six innings, five innings. Guess how many earned runs he allowed in those three games? One. 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 I knew it. I heard you say it before. And... <laughs> I mean, well, he was he was dominant. He didn't even need to pitch 80 pitches in any of those three games. And he still totaled uh, 15 innings, so three, five innings a game, right? I mean, insane. Two things. So. One, you can look down the rest of the list and all these guys. There's have, a problem with everyone. With all right. Them, right. That's so, the thing. Because they the all first, have issues. The first thing I was going to say is like, Ooh, well, maybe your next guy who's Brandon Woodruff, you could theoretically swap. Brandon Woodruff's never thrown 200 innings in his life. He's thrown 179 yeah. once. He threw 153 last year. But I love him. Year. So I put him there. <laughs> no, no, no. But I understand it. But it's a, it's just a, in defense of your Zach Wheeler position. I right, also no. want to want to level set two and, and again, just rip. That miserable man, Alex Chamberlain. The, the Woba fact was slightly incorrect. Dylan Ceases was second best. Sandy Alcantara's was best. And there was one more pitch, Nick. Minimum yeah. 750 with a sub 200 Woba. What was it? I mean, I'm going to assume it has to do with Zach Wheeler. It's not Zach Wheeler. Oh, well, fine. That that just completely deflates all of my... I'm sorry. Stats. I got curious and I looked it up. Uh, let's go with Strider Slider. Mm. It is. It's a curveball. It's a curveball, Urias. Mm-mm. Best curveball in baseball, Urias. <laughs> Framber Valdez. Framber Valdez. Oh yeah, sure. Oh, I got only you. third one. Yeah, I um, mean, okay. So keep in mind with those Woba numbers, that's only with a batted ball event. So yeah. I'm not surprised. Um, for like Framber Valdez, that's not the highest strike rate curveball, if I remember correctly. Um, and Cease, when he's throwing, he's throwing out of the zone a ton. Right, not not necessarily the worst strike rate, but just that's out of the zone a ton too. Um, but Sandy is sixty seven percent strike rate, so totally. So, so cool. 
We already hinted at who the next person was on the list, and it's Brandon Woodruff, obviously. A little bit of, of a rocky start at the beginning of the year, and then he goes and hits the IL. What was it? Raynaud's disease, right? Where he couldn't Raynaud's, really feel. Raynaud's, yes. Couldn't really fit a well feel. Done. I'm proud of you. Thank you. Couldn't really feel his fingers when he was throwing his breaking pitch, which was terribly yeah, problematic. Yeah, want that, you know? Yeah, he would like that a little bit. And then what does he do? He comes back in the second half, throws 87 innings of 2.38 ERA, lowers the overall WOBA as well, lowers the batting average against just a much more dominant second half. Are It seems like you are buying into that second half, and aren't you concerned about the injury, maybe? Well, I mean, it's not even second half. It's actually kind of funny. It's 2-3 ERA because the first six games of the year were really bad. And I remember this. Spring training, he wasn't doing well. And we're all like, oh, it's spring training. Oh, it's spring training. I think a lesson for us to take away is if an elite pitcher is getting rocked in spring training, like absolutely start after start getting rocked, there is a problem. They shouldn't be getting rocked in those starts. And Woodruff yeah. was was getting was trounced first day seven earned runs in three point two innings right, so the first six games, Woodruff allows nineteen earned runs, and then he actually is settling down, um, and then goes on the IL um, on the twenty seventh. So it's these three games uh, where he settles down, goes in the IL after that third one, comes back on the twenty eighth right. If we start it from after those first six games, it was a 2-3 ERA, a one whip, 31% strike rate across 124 innings. I mean, that's that's kind of wild. It's it's a, yeah. it's a silly game to play at times. No, but I hear you. We, we, play, we play it a lot. I mean, I've done, I do it with Max Freed every year. It's like, oh, the first three starts, and then he's like the greatest thing ever. Um, <laughs> And, uh, you know, I play it with Darvish. He allowed nine yeah. runs in the second game. But then he's like a stud. Uh, which is like, well, maybe we should consider that. And Brandon Woodruff, yeah, you have Reno's disease. Oh, that's fixed. Yeah. And now yeah. he's incredible. I've actually seen on, on Twitter uh, a few guys, SB Streamer, Michael Simeon, saying, like, you probably have Woodruff too low. Yeah. I think he has him at four. I'm like, ah, I guess I do. <laughs> um, but, but yeah, I got it. I mean, Brandon Woodruff, we've always seen as this pinnacle of, hey, I. Uh, you have a really good fastball, and that is everything. But what's better is that it's not just a four-seamer now for Brandon Woodruff. His yeah. slow ball, that is the change of 28% swinging strike rate across over 400 thrown. That's unreal. The league average changeup has a 13% swinging strike rate. And that's among starters, not just relievers as well. Yeah. Just starters, yeah. Think about this. That's over double the swing strike rate of the average changeup. It should probably come down. Still, this is really good. And considering that that is his injury, is Reno's disease conquered it? I feel as if the Brewers like, yeah, go every five days. Hopefully that entails 190 plus innings. And I feel like that is a better situation than the other ones below him inside this top 10. So Brandon Woodruff, welcome to the top five. Yeah, I'm with you. It's funny. I didn't realize how low the <laughs> innings were for him in his career. That is a little concerning because I agree. I was like, man, I, I, well, I'm, I'm really buying into what he could do. 30 but, starts in 2021 and the Brewers are the Brewers. Yeah, you know, that's true. I'm not going to okay. really hold him too much against 179 innings. If I get 179 innings of Brandon Woodruff, I'm satisfied with that. Yeah. You know, that, that's that's where the point I'm trying to make is. All of these pitchers, I would, I just want them all to throw 180. Please, just throw 180. Yeah, that's all we need. And then you have Alcantara, Cole, and Burns. Like, yeah, 200, please. That'd be great. Thanks. You know. So um. Well, I'm fine with it. speaking of a guy that could theoretically throw 180, let's get in uh, to him real quick. Your number six before we take another quick break. That's Carlos Rodon, who threw 178 last year. Obviously, a lot of people are going to be very excited by the fact that he is going to be pitching for the New York Yankees for the considerable future. What is it that uh, had you put Carlos Rodon uh, near your top five? Well, where is he going in NFBC? I don't think I've seen anyone rank Carlos Rodon at six. I feel like I'm. Uh, he's, like, a, he's above Wheeler. Here. He's above Wheeler. Sure, but like, was it like 48 or something? Uh, 51. 51. And you know, this is this is the one that I I'm kind of surprised by. Um, and I think it's because people are so spooked by the shoulder stuff in the end of 2021. You're going to have warts with so many guys. I'll take the one that did not have this concern 
in 2022. 31 starts, 178 innings. Plays for a winning ball club. Is really good at suppressing home runs. He doesn't allow them um, nearly like other guys. And really good hit suppression under seven hit per nine. That's why you have a .96 whip in 2021. Point, uh, 1.03 in 2022 for Carlos Rodon. ERA under three both years. Four-seamer is absolutely elite. I mean, this is... That's what I want from my aces. A four-seamer that is just glorious. And then you have a slider that, oh yeah, misses a ton of bats too. I mean, it's... He's got it. He does the Blake Snell blueprint to perfection now. I I, I love this for him. And I think you're going to just get more of the same. He's essentially done it for two years now. Like, this was the year that he, for him to bet on himself. Like, no... I'm fine with the shoulder thing. Look, I'll do it again. We all didn't know what to expect. And then he, yeah. I remember this in spring training. He comes out and just dominates spring training and go, what am I doing? Yes, I'll put Carlos Rodon at what, 17 or something after initially having him at 31 or something. I felt like such an idiot. And what does he do? He just does it. He does exactly what you could have dreamed of. 33% strikeout rate, 237 strikeouts. Why would you get Dylan Cease when you can have Carlos Rodon? Yeah, I, I it's 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 right there. You don't need to endure a ten percent walk rate. Just take a seven percent one. I uh, I think Carlos Rodon is is excellent and doesn't come with as severe of an injury risk that McClanahan, Scherzer, and Degrom have. Yeah, and that's why I just think, yeah, all right, I'll just take Carlos Rodon and and call it a day. Why go after Spencer Strider when you have Carlos Rodon? It's the same thing. Uh, it, it, those think of it that way of you want a 15% swing strike rate fastball that you can throw strikes with and you want a slider that you can get strikes with above 60% of the time. That is what Carlos Rodon does. Yeah. It's it's right there. It's right there in front of you for a winning ball club. He's He's gone 178 innings now as opposed to 135 as Spencer Strider. I'm in. Maybe this might be a topic for another day, but I, I really wonder. Yeah, I, you, you're not doing this. I wonder if there's just being little too much helium applied to Spencer Strider right now. I've seen some rankings where I'm like, really? I don't know. It seems kind of high to me. Uh, not here. I, I see where are you, you are have you him. higher than I am? Have you gone the, you're through your top 20 yet? I haven't done through my... I'm doing it differently. I, because I started my rankings early, I'm approaching it being like, who do I want to research today? And I'm actually trying to get out some of the guys who would be a little bit more complicated to research as opposed uh-huh. to like the aces who are a little bit easier. It's like, you're going to be good. Yeah, but the, How good are you going to be? What's so funny is... In many ways, aces are the hardest because I have to I have to make like small micro choices. Mm. Yeah, you know? I hear you. But they're to me they're quicker to research because you know X, Y, and Z are good. Um, <laughs> you know what I mean? So it's like I don't know. I get a little yeah, bit more bored. Let me tell bored. you about Zed, man. Oh god, <laughs> that Zed. He's a, he's a real well, monster. Well, uh, but by the way, I I do really want to mention um talk about Shane McClanahan, but I will. No, after no, the no, break. no, 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 <laughs> yes! no. We're back for the record. Nick cut me off where I was going I to throw it to that. the break. Last was taking back. too long. Throw the replay flag. Too long. Oh, letting you, letting you talk. I'm taking too long. All You're right, taking will, too long. All right, let's drop into the final four of your top 100 <laughs> list here. Uh, we'll start with uh, another guy who had an injury scare, and this one was a little bit, man, maybe the most severe um, over the year, I remember remember the footage of him being in the bullpen before the game oh, yeah, and like holding, holding his arm terrified. and looking as if he was going to cry. And I had rostered Shane McClanahan last year, and I was like, well, there it all goes. And then he came back, and it was shaky, but he came back. Um, I know that that footage alone has a lot of people scared. Uh, he did throw 40 more innings than he did in 2021. You would have to expect that all concerns about whether or not he's being babied are out the window. Do you think we can get a full 180 out of Shane McClanahan this year? I hope so. Um, I, I really do. I think there's a higher chance that he does uh, than than the Grom and Scherzer. And so for that reason, I have him ahead of the others. Um, he did he did super well in his start uh, in the playoffs. Uh, it was seven innings, five strikeouts, one earned run, two hits. I mean, he looked totally fine. <laughs> Uh, and that that made me feel better about the injuries that he had. If you're wondering, what were those injuries, Nick? Oh, yeah, I'm trying to remember this. It was a shoulder impingement mm, as yeah. fast opens up a, a, a bag of chips or something. I don't know what's going on. Oh, yeah, celery in his hand. He went through some plastic bag to get some celery. 
I hope it's worth it fast. Is it delicious? I've been, I've, this is my third stock, <laughs> but you didn't know because I've been carefully muting. I just love celery, dog. I'm a big celery fan. Go on. Oh my gosh. All right. I'll stop stalking you then. I, uh, the, the perform. Okay. So it was a shoulder impingement for Shane McClanahan. He was out two weeks though. It wasn't like a shoulder tear. It wasn't something along those lines. It was two weeks, but because of it, he then had a neck sprain, or not, you know, not even that. It was a spasm after that. And then he came back the next start. That's what happened. And I, you know, I remember my offseason research at first to be like, oh, right, he's got that shoulder thing. We don't know if it's going to come back again. It's different. He pitched in the playoffs. He pitched seven innings in the playoffs. The Rays, let Shane McClanahan go seven innings in the playoffs. Think about that for a second. So I'm yeah. more inclined to believe that the the injury scare of McClanahan is not as pronounced as the other ones that we're going to talk about. Now, if I really felt that strong about it, I could argue, hey, you should have McClanahan at four still. And I thought about it. I really, really, really did. I At the end of the day, I thought, you know what? It's just a little bit spookier and the Rays are the Rays and he wasn't as dominant in those starts when he came back. Maybe the, the next spasm stuff, maybe he got in his own head and was a little different. Maybe it was a little bit out of rhythm and he needed to get back into it. I'm not sure. It was just a little bit more of question, um, I would say. And he doesn't throw lefty on lefty changeups, which is really annoying because the changeup is so good. And he doesn't do it at all. And I'm like, please do that because that's so good. But fine. Your slider is really good. Your curveball is really good against lefties. Fine. Everything's all right. Um, but yeah, Shin McClanahan is still dope, though. And I'm not as concerned as other people are, I guess, about McClanahan's health entering this season. I have him at seven. I could put him higher. I could put him lower. Like, I'm splitting hairs at this point, And I have this little mini injury tier. But I felt that McClanahan was above Scherzer underground. What was the predominant thing we talked about coming into the 2022 season when it pertained to Shane McClanahan? At least to, to me, it was. It's fastball. It was, me, his uh, fastball was hit too hard, and he he fixed that, I think, with the changeup and the, and the four-seamer. It actually it, got much better. It was 100% the, the hard hit. It was the fastball and how yeah, hard hit it, it was. was. Getting, yeah, it was getting destroyed, yeah. If you look at, and I'll, I'll tweet this later because it's actually pretty remarkable. If you look at the sliders on Baseball Savant, it looks as if someone just took the first two rows and were like, oh, oh all right. And then just turned them all the way up because <laughs> he went from second uh, second percentile in average exit velocity and sixth percentile in hard hit rate in 2021 to 71st in exit velocity and 88th in hard hit rate. I, I don't know if I've ever seen such a drastic turnaround in the amount of, or excuse me, in this kind of contact. Expected batting average shot up, expected slugging shot up, barrel rate shot up, XERA over XWOBA shot up. All of them shot up. It was pretty remarkable to, to see there. Um, I'm saying shot up. I will say in 2021, McClanahan's four seamer was great against lefties, but the curveball was a lot worse. So many had to kind of do more with the four seamer and slider combination there. He didn't have as much ability to navigate those at bats. And against righties, he didn't have the change up. So the four seamer was a little bit worse um, back in 2001. And 2002, having that changeup changed a lot of things. Improving the curveball against lefties changed a lot of things. It's, I think it's twofold those two elements that helped him do more with the four seamer. Moving on to your number eight, are, are we ignoring? Are we going to look back at this podcast? Are we going to look back in 2024 and say Max Scherzer threw 179 innings in 2021? And then he threw 145 in 2022. And for some reason, we all thought, <clears throat> excuse me, going into what will be his age 39 season, that he's all of a sudden going to go back up to being 170, 180 innings. Are we going to have that conversation? Yeah, I, I, I'll i be completely honest with everybody here right now. This is the top 10 for 2023. But I might be switching to Grom and Scherzer. I'm still undecided which one will be eight and which one will be nine. Uh, so in, I don't know, four weeks, it might be flip-flopped. Uh, that's I think that's the hardest one for me right now. Mm. Because, uh, okay, who's going to throw more innings next year? I, I have to still think it's Scherzer. Uh, I, I feel like the injuries that he has are not as dangerous as the ones that DeGrom has. And that's why I'm siding in this way at the moment. But I also am a little worried about... Uh, Scherzer's stuff. I mean, it's really the the slider and cutter that have made him who he is. But 
I don't know if they're as good as I want them to be. I'm also, also his change up to right-handers is just, oh, righty on righty crimes. But the four-seamer is a little bit susceptible and keeps getting a little bit more susceptible each year. Um, and that is a big worry that I have. And there are some games when he just can't put the slider or cutter where he wants it to to lefties. When he executes it, oh boy, is it beautiful. But there are times he just kind of doesn't have it. Um, and he relies a little too much on the four-seamer and gets burned by it. We saw it in the playoffs. He allowed, what, like five home runs? What was it, six or something to the Padres? Mm, yeah. And that's something that he got away with a little bit in the regular season. We knew this. So you combine that with, yeah, 145 innings, right? Um, he's getting up there in age. His body can't handle the full workload of a season. I may be putting him under DeGrom. It's just that I feel he'll still likely pitch more innings. <laughs> he uh, says confidently. Um, yeah, I, I, it's I, still tough. I wonder if he's just turning into Kershaw and that it's like, listen, you're going to get 140, but they're going to be unbelievable. You know what I mean? And that yeah. might not be the case. Obviously, he's had a much better track record with innings over the course of his entire career than Clayton Kershaw, but he's much older as well, if I recall correctly. Um, yeah. And I, I, there's no question to me that like, if he gives you 150, it's not with a, a mid three ERA. Like he, he was dominant last year, even with some of those setbacks that you just mentioned. But to me, it's like I I, I don't I don't have a crystal ball. Obviously, I don't know. But I wonder if we're all just going to look back in hindsight and be like, yeah, that was so obvious. Why did we think that that was going to happen? Anyway, we have no yeah. idea. Um, Let's go. No oh, sorry. idea. Um, the, I mean, it's it's I I, I just want to be completely frank with everyone. I know we're doing this podcast four weeks ahead of, of the of the launch or the you know you actually putting this out. There are these little small adjustments that I may be changing between that. I've got a month of still being able to do it. There might be another old guy comes into this top 10 too. Um, yeah. it's, it's all so close. I, but we'll, we'll go to Jacob DeGrab now. Let's yeah, on. I was going to say that other old guy is going to be in the other podcast for now. But like you said, there might be some switches. Uh, Jacob DeGrab. Yeah, like you said, it really just comes down to... This is one of the reasons why I think that you might have had difficulty ranking them and why everyone would have difficulty ranking them, because there isn't anything tangible that you can point to. We can't predict injury year over year, right? You just don't know what's going to happen. And when you're at a point you're at with guys like DeGrom, guys like Scherzer, guys like McClanahan, where you know that when they pitch, the stuff can be absolutely dominant and you can get a sub three ERA and blah, 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 blah. You, you just have to try and make an arbitrary choice about, you know, uh, about injury as you send me uh the uh yeah, I, know. I can't i can't i can't share that that is something that i don't want to forget when we can actually talk about this okay I, just you see how ridiculous that is fast mm, yeah that number for yeah. for this like what i'm not that <laughs> it's so so ridiculous yeah yeah jacob mcgrom is amazing all right he we know how good he is uh how much is he gonna pitch <laughs> i don't know I don't know. And and really, I mean, I, the confidence I want to give everyone listening is you are not going to lose your league because you didn't draft Jacob deGrom. Because you didn't. It's just the case. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You're not, it's not going to be the, the, the downfall of your draft that someone else got Jacob deGrom and he had a fantastic season. Right? That's just not how it goes. And so I want to instill in you the confidence that you can have an excellent draft that doesn't put you in the harm's way of Jacob deGrom. You can hmm. draft so many excellent pitchers. You can create a fantastic team. And just because you didn't get that one guy who, you know what, the, the coin fell on one side of it that had the best outcome for them. That's all right. It's fantasy baseball, not fantasy football. Okay. Oh. And fantasy football, if you get that right one, then, oh boy, you've won your league. And that's why fantasy football is stupid and fantasy baseball is not yeah, because there's so much more nuance to it here. So don't feel like you have to do and get pressured into taking a pick that you're going to feel risky about and you're going to be anxious the entire season. The second you, you know, he has an amazing start and it's all of a sudden June 2nd and they say, oh, Jacob deGrom um, felt some forearm tightness or whatever it is. Mm -hmm. And there goes it's gone. Um, trust me, I felt it last year. <laughs> Uh, in the PL Legacy League. I had DeGrom and Verlander and Spencer Strider. Do you realize that? That's unbelievable. Oh, my gosh. I, I had know. Walker Bueller. <laughs> yeah. That um, was awesome. 
But right, and I and I took a chance on that last year because I want to have fun. I would never would draft Jacob Degrom, and I wanted to see how that goes. And that's yep, I learned my lesson, and I hope you don't have to learn yours through your draft. So if you want to take Jacob Degrom, you can do whatever you want. I'm going to rank it in a way that I'm going to take my pitchers, and I know that with my process and the SP roundup and following these guys through the year, that that's the risk that I don't need to take. A real quick question that I actually just saw pop up on my phone that I think is an interesting point. Um, I, I tweeted a little bit earlier about Garrett Cole and that four-seamer. And someone, it's a little tinfoil hatty in my opinion, but it's an adept oh point. Obviously, there were some interesting balls that were put in play in New York. Um, whether or not they benefited Aaron Judge remains to be seen. But I wonder if they also um, uh, negatively impacted Garrett Cole. And I'd be curious to see if Aaron Judge hit home runs on days in which Garrett Cole was pitching. Uh, to see if maybe that kind of magic ball was in play. That's fascinating. Yeah, that there are some. There are two Twitter users who are responsible for that, and I want to well, shout them okay, out. Well, okay, wasn't quick. wasn't that magic ball um, second half? Uh, right? Yeah, where the four seamer was terrible. Oh, the four seamer was terrible. Oh, that's so. so that's Rebob at Rebob seventy two, and it's uh, at uh, Peep My Slash Line. So those are the two guys who shouted that on Twitter. I want to look oh, into it. It's an interesting man. tinfoil hat thing, but it's yeah. fun. I'll take a look yeah, later. It's 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 something where there we have so many variables about yeah. why pitchers are good or bad. But let's and burn it to the ground, like baby. I just I just ignore. Let's uh, burn it to the ground. You know, Alex Chamberlain talks about it, right? Of him again? So many, yes, it's it's uh, analysis paralysis. Mm. You have so many data points. Like, how do you possibly make a decision? Yeah, um, and that's why I try and keep it simple. I love it. Now let's finish. Let's finish strong with your number ten, who I I love. I was getting a little bit worried that I was starting to rank uh, Luis Castillo a little bit too high. He's the sixty seventh pick right now. I know. Um, this is 20- like my favorite. Like just everywhere, I'm like, yes, Luis Castillo, sixth round. I'm with yes. you, man. I, I I think he those those. Well, I'll let you break it down first. But why are you putting Castillo ten? No, no. I want to hear all. The, I want to reverse this for a change. Let's go. I think that I want to hear it fast. I think that he seemed to make some really legitimate changes to yes. that fastball slider combination, and I think yeah. that that's real deal. I mean, obviously, the thing that was synonymous with with Castillo coming into the year was the changeup. Right. And the changeup was not great. The career high 313 Woba. Um, but I think that maybe there was something that seemed to have changed that negatively impacted the changeup. I'm not really sure what it was. Um, but I think that now that he is in, he seemed to make a shift to being a fly ball pitcher and he can do that. Now he's in, he's literally any park would have been better than great American ballpark, but he is in a ballpark where he can be a much more successful fly ball pitcher. Um, And I think if we operate with the assumption, the worst case scenario is that he sticks to being a four seamer slider guy and he doesn't have that change up come back. If that's the worst case scenario, even with the four seam slider combination being what it is, the K rate was up. The walk rate was as lowest since 2018 and the whip was the lowest since his rookie year. Hit per nine down to 7.1. That's unbelievable. So, but then you're, you're telling me then that in theory, if he can keep the four seam slider combination and he can maybe bring back that change up a little bit. There are theoretical gains that could be made in K rate, in swinging strike rate, in ERA. I don't know. I that kind of sells me a little bit on Luis Castillo. I'm I'm with you. I think it's I think it's a fun pick. So the reasons for this um, are ground ball rate going from 59% to 50%. And we all mm-hmm. know that when it comes to Babbitt and hits, fly balls are more outs than grounders. Yeah. And that's a huge reason. Why the Babbitt that was 329 and 323 went down to 276 in 2022 for Luis Castillo. You can thank the changeup going away for more sliders. Changeup, big ground ball pitch. Slider, more of a fly ball pitch. Uh, more four seamers. That's more of a fly ball pitch than the sinker is, right? That's a huge, huge deal for Luis Castillo, finding that right balance. And you hit the nail on the head. The slider is elite it's not just like a number three pitch it was definitively Luis Castillo's number three it was a very good one but it was definitively a three for a long time but now that went from a 59 percent strike rate in 2020 maybe 61 percent 2019 63 2021 67 percent strike rate 
Mm. On this slide, it has a sub 20% hard hit rate. Had a 183 batting average with a 236 Woba on it. 17% swing trigger, 37% CSW. That was the same as the previous two years. He's getting CSW rates and more strikes. This is really, really, really good. Yeah. Uh, he needs to throw it more against lefties, though. He's still saving the changeup uh, to be thrown against lefties about 30% of the time and only 16% with the slider. But the slider is way better. It is so much better than that changeup against lefties. I really, really hope that actually you will see Castillo do that, actually shift to being more of a fastball slider guy for both sides of the plate. He pushed away the the, the changeup against right-handers and really favored the slider more, which I think was a fantastic move for him. Hopefully he can do the same again. I'm really saved the sinker for righties, which was fine. But honestly, the four-seamer is still better, like much better. Um, the What's also really interesting is I use this four-seamer more in two-strike counts than ever before. Mm. And it's why even th- though his low his, his high lock was only 51%, which is league average, and it was 61% previous years, he saved it for two strikes more. And then he had a 17% swing strike rate on that four-seamer. Mm. Ooh. Mm. Mm. His hard contact rate, 18%. 18% on a four-seamer? Are you joking? Yeah, that's, that's 31% fantastic. league average. <laughs> that's, yeah. That's because he's getting as many strikeouts as he is. 82 of them across 186 total batters face. That's only 186 batters ended in um, plate appearances, ended in a four-seamer just by throwing it a third of the time. This is remarkable, to say the least. Its strike rate jumped up from 59% to 66%. But right in front of us, Luis Castillo has remade himself as a starter, and it is a much better version. And this is without the elite changeup. Mm. So, so what I see here, I know, is 150 innings last year for Castillo. He got a, a slow start to the season. A lot of guys did. They weren't ready to go. We've seen that actually from Castillo before. He needs to, to be pitching a little bit, and then he really ramps up. No surprise that he was a little hurt at the beginning, and then he was fine. But once he started going, 25 games... 150 innings. That's six innings per start. Mm. Three ERA, 108 whip. He now plays for a winning ball club. Yeah. They have they have a good offense, the Mariners do. Luis Castillo is primed and ready to give you like 230 strikeouts, 180 plus innings uh, with elite ratios. I love Luis Castillo for this season. I think the Mariners are a smart organization. And they will see the numbers here on Luis Castillo's uh, arsenal and say, look, we understood that you kind of had a thing going with the Reds and we made some tweaks, but we really want to go hard into it this year. I- I'm so into this. I mean, man, if he turns that into like a 60% high lock again, that four steamer. Oh, my gosh. Oh, so help me. That is just there are like three ways. There are three ways for Castillo to be even better. Higher fastballs, four seamers, or throw more sliders against lefties, mm-hmm. or just the changeup returns to what it used to be. Like it's it's weird that you have a guy who did so well and has three different paths to being better than this. Yeah. Ah, uh, I'm in. Sign me. <laughs> I, I love it. That was beautiful. That, that, that what a clip that was. That was very good. That was some beautiful analysis there. You definitely got me. You you, you have me feeling uh, very excited about my uh, my ranking of Luis Castillo as well. So so thanks for that. I do have one negative. Hmm. He's a little bit of a slinger still, which means yeah, that, that was that's always been his. Yeah, it's still a thing where his overall command is not as pristine as you want of like a Zach Wheeler. Right, like Zach Wheeler's command is phenomenal. You watch him, you like, oh, you want to, you want to sinker in? Sure, here you go. Castillo it still has a bit of wonkiness with that, and I don't think that's going to go away in full. So you mm. see the seven percent walk rate. I don't think you're going to see a five six percent from him. It might go up to eight percent next year. That said, that's not enough of a detriment. He was still a little bit like that this year, and it didn't matter. He still killed it for you. So I, I'm not really going to dock him any points for that. Um. <laughs> uh, I'm not gonna lie. Yeah, you just taken back. You just gotta like you know. Yeah, I gotta breathe. Castillo. I also did just do uh, some some very quick maths. Okay, because I was very interested. Look at you. This is this is the algebra podcast. This is yeah. Some quick maths here. Um, one, two, three, four, five, and six. Right. One. Two, yeah, those are three, numbers. Four, five, and six. <laughs> okay, great. So of the of these six starts that Garrett Cole made in September and October, 
where his yeah. four seamer was arguably the wor- one of the worst pitches it's ever been. Aaron Judge homered in five of them. That's interesting. That's very interesting. If that's the if that's the reason, if that's well, the reason, how many games did Aaron Judge home run in? In 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 those months, or Just how many general, overall? Like it was what, like forty percent of games? No, no, no. Uh, like t- fifteen to twenty percent of games for the season for the Yankees. He hit. Uh, right. He had sixty two, right? Right, 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 but I mean like over home run games or something. Fifty one like games, fifty one games. He hit home yeah, runs. Fifty one games. So that's okay. That's like a thirty percent chance that he hits a home run per game, and this is mm-hmm. an eighty percent or an eighty six percent chance. Yeah, right. Yeah. To happen I mean, in small sample. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. small sample. But like you would yeah. think, that's pretty remarkable. Tinfoil hat, baby. They gave him, they gave it. That's amazing. They gave him the good ball when Cole was on the mound because they knew that Cole could get through it. Uh, I don't know. I love it. Anyway, that was a fun episode, Nick. We got through your top 10. It's probably going to change, but who cares? We had the analysis to back it up. Uh, (laughs) We had the analysis to back it up. It was a fun podcast. That is going to do it. Go get Luis Castillo. Go get him. Seriously, go get him. That really was beautiful. That was a very good breakdown of Luis Castillo. I did genuinely love that. Um, we that is going to do it for episode number 366 of on the court of the official pitcherlist.com podcast i'm your host alex fast and i'm nick pollock and we'll talk to you guys next week 